going to be in Deuteronomy today. I have a Father's Day message for you. Deuteronomy 1, verse 31, just one verse today. So as the children leave, and you could turn to Deuteronomy 1 if you want, or you could just listen to me read it. But let's thank God for the word this morning. Father, we thank you that we can come here together as brothers and sisters today and enjoy worshiping together. We can open up the word and have the Holy Spirit drive it into our hearts. Father, I pray today that fathers would be encouraged today, Lord God, that what they hear would be life to their bones, Lord God, and an encouragement to their hearts. Father, that you would speak to each of us today and give us the perspective of heaven on things that are important, Lord God. And so, Father, as the word goes forth, I pray that you would encourage us and strengthen us today, especially the fathers, we pray in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 31, a simple verse, but listen. And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you, just as a man carries his son on all of the road which you have walked until you came to this place. Now, I want you to just close your eyes and listen to that verse. It paints a beautiful picture in our spirits today of a father carrying a son. It paints a beautiful picture in our hearts today of our heavenly father carrying us. Listen. And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you, just as a man carries his son on all the road which you have walked until you came to this place. Now, the children of Israel are in the desert, and they're with Moses, and they are a handful. Anyone have children? Moses had millions of them. And they were a handful. And Moses is speaking to them, and he's, uh, he's sharing his heart with them to get them to focus on their father who was in heaven, who was guiding them out of Egypt through the wilderness and wanted to bring them to the promised land. Now he's speaking to the children of Israel and as per usual, they are giving Moses a hard time. They were dragging their feet. They were stubborn and rebellious and they had rejected God's leadership and God himself. So Moses here in Deuteronomy 131 is reminding them how their heavenly father has been so good to them. He says, God has carried you through the wilderness. He carried you out of Egypt like a father carries his son. A beautiful picture of a father carrying children. I don't know about you, but I'm 53 years old and I can still remember my father carrying me out of the car sometimes when I had fallen asleep. Remember that when you were really little and you're half asleep and dad would bend into the car and grab you and then bang your head on the thing on the way out and you're half awake. You wake up in your bed, your wallet's missing, you don't know what's going on. This is a beautiful picture of a father with a child in his arms. And I was going to get some pictures and put that up there, but I, I, want, I want you to do it in your own mind, amen, the image that the Holy Spirit drops in there. But just a beautiful image that, you know, a father carrying his son, that's how God carried you through the wilderness here. Now, the children of Israel were complaining and they were giving God a hard time, as we know, but the beautiful image Moses drops there is that this is how God loves you, how he's so tender with you, and how you didn't get yourself here, but he's carried you. Now, Deuteronomy reminds us of our Heavenly Father and that he carries us, but it also should remind us today that, that fathers carry a lot of things. Anybody? 
Just in the natural, fathers carry a lot of things. I've shared stories about me running through the airport. I remember when our kids were little and we're going to see Kim's family in Canada and I got three duffel bags around my neck and two suitcases and I'm kicking something and we're running and the kids are saying, I got to go to the bathroom and Kim's saying, we're going to miss the plane. I wish we got a picture of that because they're looking at me like they don't know. How about fathers at the beach? You got an umbrella. You got two coolers. You got 15 chairs. Hello. Fathers carry a lot of stuff in the natural, but in the spiritual realm, they carry a lot of things too. This is a picture here in Deuteronomy of a father tenderly carrying his child. The most important thing of all the things that fathers carry their children are perhaps the most precious. Now, the the truth is that today it's sad that many people hardly even notice anymore how much fathers are carrying. And part of the reason for that is, is because men don't adequately express themselves that they're burdened. Just like now, they're saying nothing. And we don't express our burdens to the Lord or to those around us. And people don't know that we feel burdened, that we feel overwhelmed. As a consequence, sometimes I think fathers are underappreciated and they're marginalized and their true feelings are unknown, so their needs go unmet. We have so many forces in our cultures that want to minimize fathers. We have forces in feminism that want to say we don't need fathers. And we, we have, you know, things about parents now that want to call in birthing people and just trying to erase all of the importance of what a father and a mother means to our children. So today, fathers, we don't share our needs adequately, but our Father in heaven knows that we carry a lot of things. And some of the burdens that fathers carry are self-inflicted and they're unproductive. And you say, well, Pastor, what are those things? I'm not going to list them, but we need to allow to let the Holy Spirit let us know when we should stop worrying, when we should stop being burdened, when we should let go and let God But there are some burdens that fathers carry that are legitimate, and that's because they come from the Lord. So we're going to quickly this morning look at three burdens that fathers carry that come from the Lord. Number one, fathers carry the burden of provision. Men are supposed to be providers. Let me try that on this side over here. Men are supposed to be providers. Amen. Uh, It's just amazing how our culture has eroded so many of these biblical things that, you know, sometimes when we're just listing basic biblical principles, you know, there's pushback from the culture. But men are supposed to be providers. From the beginning, God designed men to be workers and providers. A man must provide For his own household, by the work of his hands, he must labor to earn wages to sustain his family. Amen. That's a good place to say amen because it's God's design. Uh, So men are supposed to be workers. They're supposed to be providers. Look at Genesis 2.15. It says this, in Adam's creation, then the Lord God took the man, so he fashioned Adam out of the dust. Hey, guys, we're basically dirt. And he breathed. Pumina, the the breath of life into the dust, and we became a living soul. So here's this this living pile of dust that has become man, that has the breath of God in it. Come on, that's our creation. Now, God takes the man that he made, and what does he do? It says he he took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to sit back 
and to drink cold drinks and to play video games and watch sports. No, no, it doesn't. Man, my Bible's broke. The Lord God put the man in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to tend it. From Adam's creation, he had a job to do. He had a purpose. Guys, we need to understand this. Your job isn't just a cross or a, a burden or something, but there are burdens when it comes to provision. But understand, God made us to be productive. God made us to work. God made us to produce things with our hands. So Adam was animated. He's alive. God places him in the garden. Adam had a job to do. Notice it was God himself who put Adam to work. Why? Because he designed him to be productive, to be a provider. Now, I want you to understand something. Adam was in the garden working even before Eve was created. Some of us forget this. We think they both popped out at the same time, and then they were in the garden picking, you know, fruit, and then the apple came, and here it all goes apart. But no, the man was in the garden alone. And God looked, and he said, it's not good for the man to be alone. Isn't that true? Come on, guys, it's time to speak up. Amen. Your clothes wouldn't match. You wouldn't eat good food. And just let that settle in a little bit. God said it's not good for a man to be alone. If you've ever seen a bachelor, you know, you know that right away they, they, they need help. So God made Eve, and Adam is in the garden. He's working, he's tending, he's cultivating, he's doing his thing. He's surrounded by animals. No doubt he found himself a dog to hang out with. But it wasn't, none of the animals were enough to provide Adam the intimacy he needed. So God made Eve after Adam had been made and put to work. He made Eve in Genesis 2.18. Eve was created to be Adam's helper, his helpmate. The woman was and still is the man's perfect helpmate. You know, forget about Batman and Robin, a man and a woman together in marriage. That's the dynamic duo, amen? My wife and I together are an unstoppable team, amen? Where I'm weak, she's strong. I cover her, she covers me. Uh, she makes sure that, you know, I'm together. I watch out for her, and we're a good team together, amen? And God made the man to be the provider and the woman to come alongside and to be his helpmate. Now, a world kicks against this and tries to redefine all the roles and all the, the, the things that the creator designed, and all we do is make trouble and chaos for ourselves. I'm glad I got one that's right. Because like it or not, the creator gets to define his creation. So here's Adam. He's got a job to do. He's all by himself. God says it's not good. He makes the perfect helper for him. The two become one flesh, and they work together as a team now, I want you to understand, Eve was never charged with the responsibility to be the primary provider. Adam was. She was charged to be his helper, not to be the primary provider. So God's design for, was for man to be the primary provider, to make provision, to be productive. Now, the New Testament has something to say about men who refuse to provide. It says here in 1 Timothy 5.8, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Let me read that again so it settles in. 
But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an infidel or an unbeliever. God's saying, don't tell me you're a Christian. Don't tell me you're a man of God and you neglect what's under your care and under your covering. God called all of us to work with our hands and be a provider. Now, I know I'm not going to get a ton of amens on that because, you know, a lot of people don't like work and they don't like their jobs and it's too much and, and, and the demand is huge and the taxes are high and the bills are high and we got to work and work and I owe, I owe, it's off to work, I go. Visa and MasterCard. So there are some things about work that are burdensome and, you know, we need to understand God meant it for us to be a joy to be providers because we are modeling who he is. God in heaven is not all tense and upset and anxious that he has to provide for his creation. And neither should we be because he's our provider, amen? So, guys, it's up to us to roll up our sleeves and be the primary providers. Men who refuse to provide, God says, don't tell me you're a godly man if you refuse to provide. And you might say, Pastor, why is it so difficult and stressful and time-consuming to be a provider? Do you ever feel like you're going out there and you're trying to do your best with the right heart, but the whole world is fighting against you? Come on, guys, wake up. Hello. Do you go out there and it's just a fight to get to work? You fight through traffic. You know, you're working and you're short of this or you're missing that or this guy doesn't show up. You're on the job and you cut a board three times and it's still too short. You been there? Oh, you, you know, you get to the end and you're like, you're, you're an inch short and you got to go. It's just, some days I'm like, God, everything fights us. What's that about? Well, the truth is that, again, the scripture tells us why it seems that way. Genesis 3.17 says this. Then to Adam, he said, because you listened to the voice of your wife and you have eaten from the tree, which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. With hard labor, you shall eat from it all the days of your life. There it is. When sin entered the equation, it brought a curse upon mankind. It brought a curse upon the earth. And so there's resistance to us doing our work. It's not supposed to be easy. There's a little bit of resistance. Now, thank God Jesus redeemed us from the curse. Amen. And we can find joy in the Lord and, and being providers and in working hard. But there's a little bit of pushback there, and that's why it's hard sometimes. So providing is a burden, but I want to encourage you today, men. This is what I found. As godly men with the right heart, as fathers who want to love and serve their families, if we do our best to provide, if we're wise and disciplined and savvy with our finances, with our time, and with our gifts, God will do the other 98%. Amen? So I say to fathers today, shoulder the burden that God has given you to be a provider, but put all your trust in God and find that he's Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider, amen? Don't get overwhelmed and how am I going to pay for this and how am I going to pay for that and this stack of bills, amen? Be wise, but understand he is Jehovah Jireh. And we model him in being providers for our family. So that's a little bit of burden. Can we say amen? How about the second burden that we're going to look at today? We have this burden of provision, but we also uh, carry as fathers uh, spiritual burdens. Now, God called men to be leaders. He called men to be the head. Listen to 1 Corinthians 11.3. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, 
The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. So God made structure and order in leadership, and he expects men to lead. Start throwing water. This is not supposed to be a painful message. You know, in researching this point while I was online, it's amazing how much I found out, you know, just studying and looking at articles. How many people are out there in the Christian circle saying that the man is not the head and the man is not the provider and this and that and this article and feminism and liberal theology and all this nonsense. You know, but the truth is it says it right here in 1 Corinthians that he is the head of the wife, so he has to be the head of the house. He has to be the covering for his family. We got too many weak men who abdicate their role and they let their wives do everything and we're killing the ladies. Ladies, could you use a break? Make some noise in church, amen? So there's this burden of spiritual leadership for the men to be the head. And part of being a godly man means being a spiritual leader in your home, uh, to cover and serve your family. You are to be the provider, as we said. You're also to be the protector and covering of your home. You're also supposed to be a priest in the home. What does a priest do? Listen, a priest in the Old Testament stood before God on behalf of the people, and he interceded and advocated on their behalf. That's what a priest did. And dad, that's what you should be doing for your family. You should be on your knees praying that God will bless your home. He'll bless your marriage. He'll bless your children. He'll bless your finances. Amen. You should be covering your wife. You should be covering your children. Men today have become so weak and lazy and they're, they're on the sidelines. They're sitting down watching TV and playing video games and they're abdicating their God-given responsibilities. Weak men make weak homes, and weak homes make weak churches, and weak churches make weak communities, and weak communities make weak nations. Come on. We're called to lead. We're called to serve. We're called to cover our families as servant leaders, as priests. Yes, Dad, you are a spiritual leader in your home, whether you like it or not. God called you to do it, and it can be a burden, but... It's a burden that God has equipped us for, that we can shoulder, that we can get underneath. And when we take our responsibility to love and cover our families, we're going to know great joy and honor that's missing in the lives of those who refuse to do what God has made them to do. A man can never please God by abdicating his call to spiritual leadership in the home, in the church, in the nation, and in the world. We had men's prayer on Saturday. There were a bunch of us here, but there were a bunch of us who are never here. Men need to be spiritual leaders in the house of God. Sister Kim announces a Bible study, 60, 70, 80 people sign up. Tomorrow night, Monday night, is, is a men's Bible study. Are you guys going to show up? Are you going to be leaders in the house of God? I only hear women saying amen. So... You're like, it's Father's Day, Pastor Rick. Can you give me a break? <laughs> Fathers are called to carry that spiritual burden, to be leaders, to be servant leaders in their homes. And, and fathers must first maintain their own spiritual well-being. You know, a lot of times as dads, we put ourselves last, and that's godly in a way. But we have to maintain our own spiritual vitality. 
We have to be praying. We have to be reading the word. We have to have, you know, something from God to give to those that we're supposed to minister to. Man, it's quiet this morning. God help us. Fathers should pray for and with their wives. You know, one of the most powerful things I can do is grab my wife's hand and we join our faith together and pray about any situation that we need to pray about. That's one of the most powerful things we can do as men. You know, when we couple together in that covenant relationship and she brings her anointing to the table and mine, and we, we just agree together where two or more agree. I mean, there is something powerful that happens. You need to, men, you need to be praying with your wives. You need to be praying for your wives. You need to pray for your children and over your children, amen? My children are grown. They're 18 and 21, but I still pray for them, lay hands on them. When they're sick, I speak healing over them. When they're struggling, I give them principles, amen? Be a leader. Be a spiritual leader. Shoulder that burden. It pleases the Lord. We can't please the Lord by abdicating what God has called us to be and to do. Men, we should bring our families to church. Fathers, be a leader in your home. For years I've seen, and we've seen it in the churches, where ladies drag the whole family there themselves. And where's dad? Some churches, the men are completely absent. I thank God for the fathers and the spiritual men of God. We have a full gospel center here. And I thank you that you're here and that you're involved. Amen. But we can do more. We should be more involved. We should be up front. Fathers should teach their families the principles of God. Have family altar. Share biblical principles. Share life lessons with your children. Be a man of God and shoulder the responsibility of spirituality in your home. It may feel like a burden, but there again, it brings blessing and honor to the man who will do it with the right heart. So we carry these burdens of provision. We carry burdens of spirituality and being a leader uh, for those that, you know, are under our covering. And number three, the last burden I want to talk about today is fathers carry emotional burdens. Now, you might hear that and think, you know what, emotions and men, does that even mix together? You know, many times people don't realize that men actually do. Yeah, I know there's a lot of screaming. But men actually do have emotions. They feel stuff. Amen. Now, we're not going to sit down and watch a Lifetime movie with you and cry. But I want to let you in on a little secret. Men have feelings, too. There were two men sitting on a porch in the hot summer heat. And they were just shooting the breeze with one another. And one said, you know, there's a stereotype that men are bad at showing their emotions. But I don't think it's true to you. And the other man said, no, I know for a fact it's not true. I said, well, how do you know that? Because I personally know a guy who loved his wife so much that once he almost told her. We can do better, guys. I said we can do better. We can share our hearts, amen. We can, we can share our emotions. But men have feelings and they feel things. And fathers, no matter how reserved or private or emotionally guarded, They shed tears when no one's looking. They have regrets. They often feel like failures. They often wonder if they're doing more harm than good for their families. When they're alone and nobody's looking, they struggle emotionally with many burdens. 
You say, well, what are these things that men struggle with? Well, let's listen to the implications of a verse like Ephesians 6, 4. These are things in God's word that stir the emotional pot for fathers. Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Listen to that. As fathers, we know we're responsible for our children's spiritual development and well-being. That's a burden that will invoke emotions in us, amen? Why? Because we don't know, should we be like a drill sergeant and on them all the time? Should we be tender? Should we give them a break? Should we cut them slack? Should we be on them? Do you see there's all these emotions? Am I doing enough? Are they getting it? Do they love Jesus? Are their names written down in the Lamb's book of life? These are emotional burdens that men carry. Fathers know that their responsibility is for their children's spiritual well-being, and we need to understand how to do it, and it's a dilemma for us many times. How about a verse like Ephesians 5.25? You know, it says here, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church, And gave himself up for her. You know, Jesus died for the church. And you said, I knew it. She's been trying to kill me all this time. You and I have to... (laughs) Smile, that's good for your face. You know, you and I have to lay our lives down for our wives. And many men and many fathers, when no one's looking, we struggle with, "Am am I a good husband? Am I a good provider? Am I meeting everybody's needs? Is You know, I often ask my wife, how am I doing? And some people are saying, oh, no. How am I doing? Are you, are you good? Are you happy? Are you, are you thinking about, you know, trade me in at Walmart? What, what's going on? Fathers know we must love our wives. Fathers know we must serve our children. And all of these things are emotional burdens that we carry. And I'll tell you where the burden comes from. The burden comes from trying to find balance. Am I too tough? Am I too easy? Am I, am I too stringent? Am I not involved enough? Am I over-involved? Am I, am I too demanding? Am I not a servant in the home? Am I doing a good job? It's finding balance in all of these situations. That's where the emotional stress comes from. And the answer becomes how. How do I lead without becoming overbearing? How do I provide without becoming a workaholic? How do I serve without becoming an enabler? How do I discipline without crushing those in my discipline? How do I love when it's not reciprocated? How do I deal with rebellion, disrespect, and dysfunction in my home? How do I balance all of these things and still grow spiritually and maintain my sanity? Just got real. Fathers carry emotional burdens, and they deal with these heavy weights. And I want to encourage you today by telling you the truth that all of these burdens I just talked about this morning are just too much for us to carry in our own strength. Say, Pastor, you taught us three points, and you're telling us we can't do any of them? Yeah, in our own strength, we can't carry these burdens. We can't carry the burden of provision in this crazy world with gas that's $6 a gallon in an economy that's about to collapse. We can't carry the spiritual burdens of leadership when everything is nipping at our families and the school systems and the colleges and the culture is telling them that everything about God is not right and that what the church teaches is not right. We can't carry these emotional burdens and all the stress all by ourselves and our own strength. We come to a place where we have two choices. 
Number one, we can abdicate our God-given responsibilities and watch everything we love suffer from our dereliction of duty. Or number two, we can cast our cares upon him and allow him to do the impossible on our behalf by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sadly, many men have said it's too hard. They quit, they throw in the towel, and they abdicate their burdens, and they refuse to carry them. And unfortunately, we can never please God that way. And we're going to watch everything we love suffer. Or we can cast our cares on the Lord. You and I can't provide within our own strength. We can't carry the spiritual mantle of leadership in our own strength. We can't carry all the emotional, the emotional burdens in our own strength. But in the strength of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Fathers carry a lot of stuff. But as we carry these things that God has purposed for us to carry, we have to maintain the joy of the Lord. And can I encourage you, fathers, today, we need to trust the Lord and lean on him a little bit more. And sometimes we just need to loosen up and lighten up. Amen. Got a little video that I want to show you about uh, a father and the things that a father would never be heard saying. And uh, let it be something that loosens you up and lightens you up. I don't care how late you stay out. Stay out as late as you want. You want to borrow the new car? You want to borrow my credit card? Kids today, they really have it rough. I have no idea where we are or where we're going. I mean, when I was their age, life was easy. Super easy. Why haven't you gotten a tattoo yet? How come you don't have any piercings yet? Yep, we're lost. We are completely lost. Ew, sports. It, it, just do whatever the mechanic says to do. Vehicle maintenance is completely overrated. Look, whatever the mechanic is asking, just pay him. Pay him whatever he wants. I wish they had soap operas at night. I like that boy. You should date him. You should date him immediately. Well, what about the creepy guy with the motorcycle? He's cute. Yeah, sure. Spring break in Tahiti sounds fun. Hey, make sure you get all your video games done before you start your homework. You don't have to pass all your classes. What? You have a project due tomorrow, and you've known about it for four weeks, and you haven't started yet? Sweet! Doesn't anybody want to know if we're there yet? Remember, if you need anything between midnight and 4 a.m., please come wake me up. Hey, I'm on the phone. Could you bring the baby over and let him climb all over me? Hey! Hey! Can you please turn that music up? Well, we just stopped for lunch 10 minutes ago, but yeah, let's stop again. I never have trouble with my toddler. I never have trouble with my teenagers. I never have trouble with my adult children. You know, she's right. We are ruining her life. Yes, more homework to correct. All right, whining. Yay, tantrums. Hmm, vomit. We just really need to spoil these kids more. Sorry, buddy. I don't know any good jokes at all. You're 16. You pretty much know everything now. I think 18's a great age to get married. Okay, remember, make sure you turn on all the lights before you leave the house. Hey, could you leave the front door open for a couple hours? Thanks. Money really does grow on trees. Up, Dad. 
If all the fathers would come up this morning, we want to honor you guys. We could turn the lights on. Come on, dads, let's let them know we appreciate them today. Praise God. Amen. Come on, clap for your dads today. Amen. I like it. Stretch your hands this way. Let's speak a blessing over them this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for being our perfect father, a ready example for us. Father, we bless all of these fathers today. We thank you for all the burdens they carry, and Father, many times in silence and without complaining, but Lord, we pray that you would hear the cry of their heart today and you would refresh them, that you would give them strength and energy to be good parents and to be good husbands and to be godly men in a generation that turning away from the precepts that have made this nation great. Father, I pray that you would bless each of these men, that their spiritual lives would blossom this year that they would truly uh, be providers and be leaders and coverings in their home. And, Father, that emotionally they would find their strength at the feet of Jesus and that they would have something to give to their families, to their communities, to the church, and to the world. Father, because you have made them in your image and you have allowed them to have the glorious title of Father. What an honor that is. So bless them. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.